hello everybody welcome back to another episode of dr movie the uh the podcast on wheels right the show that i do while i'm driving my car back and forth to work or whatever else i'm doing and currently i'm driving to go play a gig with my band and uh i want to take the time to talk about a movie i revisited you already know what it is because you clicked on this because you saw the picture um I gave this one a second chance. I remember seeing this when it came out. Sometimes you just have to give uh, full moon movies a second chance, right? Recently did that with Dr. Mordred. And, uh, you know, I was okay with it. I liked it better this time than the first time. Was kind of hoping the same thing would happen here. And that's what we're going to talk about. Uh, We are talking about the 1994 movie Oblivion. And I remember when this came out. It was right up my alley, right? I mean, you look at the artwork. This is my kind of thing, right? Coming from the sci-fi angle. Uh, Little did I know just from the artwork, because I never read the back of it. I just grabbed it because, you know, it's got a cool-looking creature on the front or whatever. And uh, it's a a sci-fi western. Way before Firefly, if anybody's a big fan of Firefly, you know, Whedon did a great job of intermingling those two subjects together and it really works here i don't know i still don't know but you have to give it credit it was doing it a long time before cowboys and aliens or any of these other type of movies where they're doing cross pollination of movie types right um which is also kind of a hang-up at the same time because you know it's sci-fi but you don't really know if it's another world or if it's just Earth. Really, the only difference that separates this is you got a couple of robot people and a spaceship and some giant scorpions. That's pretty much the only big difference between this and a regular Western. But needless to say about all that, let's talk about the meats and potatoes of this, right? 1994, it's a Charles Band production. So you you know what you're getting, right? Uh, you've got Sam Irvin directing, which, uh, you know, that's fine. I'm not a huge fan, but I don't dislike him either. He's all right. Nothing to write home about. But uh, you've got him. You've got George Takai in this thing, playing Doc Valentine. And let's just be honest. This movie is like a wish list that Sam Irvin, I guess, just wanted to have in his movie because everything is really based around these people. George Takai, Julie Newmar. If you know who Julie Newmar is, I mean, obviously you know who George is, right? Because he came from Star Trek. And there's every almost every time he's on the screen, he's making some kind of Star Trek reference. That's the kind of hang-up with this movie, right? Um, it's going for some, some comedy here in the midst of a sci-fi western and again that's fine but i think back in the day that just didn't sit well with me because it was almost too cheesy right uh julie newmar plays miss kitty straight out of Gunsmoke, right or that's the concept because again this is a western she's miss kitty the only problem is for all of you that know julie newmar was one of the cat woman cat women from the original 66 batman series right dare I say the best looking one my opinion uh, I don't know Eartha Kitt was pretty hot but uh, 
she's Miss Kitty, and guess what she does? That's right. She makes cat sounds like the cat woman. So she's constantly going around hissing, growling, showing her fingernails. I can imagine when she was asked to do this role, one, I mean, she's probably glad that she did because, you know, there's not really a casting call for Julie Newmar, especially at this time and point in her career. Not downplaying it, just saying lucky to have some bones thrown her direction, I guess. <laughs> no pun intended. Um, but at the same time, I'm sure she read this and kind of went, oh, man. You mean I don't get to show off my actual acting chops? I have to kind of play off a character that I'm known for? Fine, right? So, um, I remember when this came out, I didn't care for it. And... I guess because I just didn't know what it was. I guess now when I look at it, I see what they were going for. And I'm okay with it. It's not great. It's not groundbreaking. It's got some little moments you go, oh, yeah, that's uh, that's cute. <laughs> you know, that's about all you can say. Uh, George Takai that comes out of a, a building at one point. He's got a bottle of Jim Beam in his hand. And he says, beam me up, Jimmy. <laughs> You know, so uh, he even does the thing, uh, you know, he even steals other characters from Star Trek lines about, damn it, I'm a doctor, you know. So taking a Bones line there. Uh, let's see who else we got. We got Meg Foster in this, who plays a cyborg. Uh, she, her character is the deputy, and she works for the sheriff of the town. And really what this story focuses around is this guy named Red Eye, played by Andrew Divoff, who for the long time, I, I, I remember not looking at who played him back in the day, but I would have sworn this was Michael Ironside. So it's almost like Andrew's just trying to be Michael Ironside in a suit with, you know, lizard skin and an eye patch with a red crystal on it. That, so they call him Red Eye. Yeah. And he's the baddie that comes into town. You've also got uh, uh, Carol Strucken in this, too, the guy that plays Lurch in the later Adams Family movies. And he's pretty much the undertaker in the movie. Now, he's got an interesting role in this movie because he can sense that somebody's going to die, and he knows where they're going to die, but he don't know who it is. So every time something is going on and he starts coming into town, everybody knows that he's showing up because somebody's going to die. So it's, it's a weird thing that he can tell somebody's going to die, and he knows where and when, but he doesn't know who. Kind of plays into this, kind of does it. It's just a reason for him to show up more than anything else. Um, you've got the sheriff of the town, and Red Eye comes in, causing a bunch of trouble. They have a shootout, and he kills the sheriff. And the sheriff has this estranged son that's out doing his own thing. And the whole movie is about this, I don't know, mineral... Which really doesn't play a whole lot into the story here. Uh, it does have the ability to make uh, Meg Foster's character stop in her tracks. You know, it's almost like her kryptonite or whatever. It's kind of a lame issuing in of a MacGuffin in this movie. And it doesn't really get you anywhere. It's just a, a reason, right? So the estranged son is out digging for this mineral and he finds a bunch of gold he's like great another piece of worthless gold so it's kind of letting you know how things have changed anyways he gets word that his father has died and on his way back 
he runs into a Native American who's been drawn and quartered, and he's laying on the ground tied to these posts, and a giant scorpion comes up going to kill him. Kind of Harryhausen, uh, a cheap Harryhausen-looking scorpion, right? He's going to come up and sting him, and uh, the sheriff's son shoots a scorpion and saves the, the uh, Native American, and now they're friends. It's very Lone Ranger type, right? So uh, they go back into Oblivion, which is the name of the town, to uh, witness his father's funeral. Of course, Red Eye shows up, and there's some good bits here, right? When they're, <laughs> when they're having the funeral for his dad, in the funeral parlor is downstairs and upstairs is they're having bingo and they happen to be happening at the same time so in the middle of the ceremony you hear b29 you know <laughs> so you know it's got its moments where the humor kind of works but they kind of run too long with it right so uh anyways you kind of see those things coming needless to say red eyes come into town he's planning on taking over the town and he's got he's got a gangly crew that's with him. Uh, he's got a female partner who uh, uses a bullwhip by the name of Lash. Uh, and the bullwhip she has has electricity in it. So, but the thing is, is what's cool about it is she can dial up like on the handle how much electricity charge she's going to give you whenever she hits you with it. You know, not a bad concept. Pretty cool. But uh, you've got that person and then he's got this other guy that kind of prances around and he's kind of the uh, the Spanish caballero kind of guy, right? And uh, so he's got this gang that, that works with him and they're going around recruiting, pretty much telling everybody in the town that you're either for Red being the new sheriff, Red Eye taking over the area, or you're not. And they gave everybody a button that says, better Red than dead. <laughs> so, again, there's some humor in this that I just, it just did not click with me at a young age because I was expecting more of a, more of a legit sci-fi movie instead of a comedy. It just kind of seemed to be going everywhere. But, with that being said, you can kind of see where the story is leading. They, they decide that uh, the, the sheriff's son is going to stay in town and help Meg Foster fight Red Eye. And it becomes a big battle at the end of the movie, of course. And, uh, you know, there's some, some pretty decent Western action here, except everybody's, you know, I don't know. Uh, it, it, it's, it's low budget. What can I say? It's Charles Band, right? But uh, it... It is 100% Charles Band. You can just, if, if you know what that means, then you know. You, you already got a vision in your head of what that looks like. Um, like I said, the, the acting is, I imagine they had a, a really good time making this movie because it's pretty ridiculous. Some of the lines are really ridiculous. Um, in hindsight, it works okay if you know what this movie is. I think the problem before, like I said, is I expected a more, <laughs> I hate to say it, when you know when you know it's a full moon production, you expect something a little more serious than what you get. But uh, looking at it now and looking at it from a an homage, right? It's really paying homage to the old 60s TV westerns, Gunsmoke, Lone Ranger. It's really playing off all, all of these. Uh, and then, again, of course, Batman, Star Trek mixed in there with it. So you're kind of getting 
the gist of the, the nuts and bolts of what this movie is just from that description alone. And then on a comedy level, I'm going to put it with like Saturday the 14th, right? It's not really funny, but it's still pretty entertaining, right? It's trying to be funny, but it's not quite there. It's just off a little bit. That's kind of what this one feels like. But all in all, it's a pretty fun flick. And hey, let's be realistic about it. It's on Tubi, and it's free. So uh, you you can't go wrong with that, right? So if you if you like the sci-fi stuff, uh, if you like Full Moon, obviously you've probably already seen this because this is one of the you know I wouldn't say heyday, but this is when Full Moon was really you know uh, cranking out a lot of stuff. So I feel like again that this was kind of a wish list kind of movie of people you would want to work with and I I get the feeling that they had a good time making this movie I don't know haven't done the research into it but I can see where this would be a lot of fun uh, to work on and uh, like I said at the end of the day you kind of go okay not a bad little movie you get a pretty good showdown at the end where you know all your good people are fighting all your bad people and uh you know, it's okay. Oh, there is one other thing too that I forgot to mention is our star, which is the the you know the son that's been away for all this time, who doesn't want to be like his dad. That's kind of the whole point here, right? His dad wants him to be a lawman and be like him. He don't want to do that. He just wants to be his own person. But uh, he can sense what other people are feeling. So, like when somebody's getting hurt, he feels it. So, whenever he is in a situation where he has to be violent against somebody, he can feel the pain that he's causing the people, which makes him not want to be this kind of person, right? That really ties into something that happens towards the end of the movie. But I'm not going to give you much more than that. Uh, I think there's a lot of people that are big fans of this movie, uh, and that's understandable, really. Uh, I might have just missed the boat on this thing being ahead of a lot of the stuff that was to come, because we have seen this time and time again. Uh, I can think of several horror spoofs that really kind of borrow the same ideas that are happening in this. So, you know, maybe a little ahead of its time, but I don't want to give it that kind of credit either. <laughs> so, did I like it? Yeah, I mean, it's all right. Uh, on my level of, of scoring from one to five, I'll give it a three. I mean, I'd probably watch it again. I liked it, but it's not something I'm going to revisit a lot. But I'm glad I gave it another shot, which encourages me to go back and check out some of the other Full Moon movies that I gave a hard pass on back in the day. And I really think it's because of this movie. It made me go, you know, uh, they're losing me here. So uh, who knows? Maybe I'll uh, revisit some other ones. If you have a suggestion of some full moon movies you want me to review on here, let me know what they are. I'll be glad to do it. All right, folks, that's it for this one, and we will check you later.